Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sup Talk Radio. As always, I'm excited today. I had the pleasure of being introduced to my guest from a mutual friend, Alan Heroic Muscle. We kind of chopped it up at Apollo Nutrition, chatted for a few minutes, and I'm like, this is the real deal. We got to get this guy on. His passion for bodybuilding is just like mine. Currently on track for the Nationals. He'll be doing some damage, I can tell you that. Allow me to introduce my guest, Kennedy Anyan. Yan Wu, and I'm killing that. I'm sorry. Welcome to the show. <laughs> How's it going? Uh, how's it going, Sean? It's good to it's good to finally uh, be back talking to you. <laughs> I'm sure nobody has ever gotten your last name right on the first try. No, you know what? Back in school, um, you know, when the teacher is like Kennedy, and there's a pause, I know it's me. So I I just I just raise my hand or I go up to the front, whatever you want. Just don't butcher it. Just 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 stop with the first name. We're good. <laughs> oh my god! So Kennedy, I always like to introduce my listeners to you. Give us a little bit of your upbringing. Were you an athlete? Were you a skinny kid to turn to the weights? Like what got you into lifting and bodybuilding? So um, I think I've been through all three phases of you know the body types. So growing up as a kid, I was actually fat. Um, but when I got, you know, pretty much into school, high school, I pretty much got into, I, I did a lot of sports, um, you know, soccer, football, track. Um, I would say like I was heavy, I was more heavy on track, you know, I, I did 200 okay. meters and I pretty much, uh, I pretty much lost a lot. I, I got skinny. I became a skinny kid. Um, and pretty much towards, you know, uh, junior year, senior year, I realized that I wanted to, uh, I actually wanted to get big, you know, growing up, um, people that haven't seen me, I'm, I'm pretty much five, seven, you know, I wasn't really the tallest kid and mm. you're in a class, you know, that age group where there's a growth spurt, people are growing taller and, you know, so, so, <laughs> you know, so it got to a point where I, I felt like people didn't take me serious. You know, you're just, uh, yep. you're like, uh, you're a small kid, you know, but you're not really, you're not really strong. You're just, you're just there. You're just part of, you're just part of the group, you know, yep. essentially, but there's nothing about you that stands out. And uh, Sean, I hated that. I really hated that. Um, really? Okay. So I, I really did. I, I've always been that kind of person that wanted to be the best at everything. I know you can't be, but I'll try. Yep. So um, how I actually started with or actually gotten into, you know, trying to get big was actually with bodybuilding we were in a computer class um in high school and um we were actually sharing computers uh this particular day and you know how it is sometimes you're not really listening to the teacher i'll be honest and we weren't really listening we were just online oh, yeah. you know browsing or whatever and uh, me and my friend we were just like oh let's look up like you know how to get big or whatever so we just put it in google search and you know wikipedia first came up this was 2008 i remember it was 2008 yeah. because when I clicked on the link, um, the first guy I saw in there was Mr. Olympia and it was Dexter Jackson. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It was, that was the first person I saw on that. And, you know, I, for people that I've talked to about this, it could go two ways. You could either say, oh, this is gross. I never want to look like that. Or you could be yep. just mesmerized. Right. And <laughs> Sean, I was in the other yep. party, you know, um, I saw that and I couldn't believe what I, I didn't even know a human being could look like that. You know, yeah. I, I, I said, how is this possible? His ab, his abdominals literally look like 
it was something out of like, an, you know, like, 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 cause we, we were in biology class too, sure. you know, around that period of time. It's like, it was so detailed. I was like, human beings can be that detailed. So I'll be honest, that kept me for a while. It kept me up for a while. And, um, you know, that was after that, I decided that, you know what, I'm going to see if I can try my hands at getting big. And then I pretty much fell into bodybuilding yep. after that. But if you want to, you know, we can segue into that whenever you want, but I'll, I'll explain that from there. So was was Dex? So was Dex the person you were trying to emulate, or, or was Dex like wow, and kind of went down the rabbit hole, seeing who else is out there? Yeah. So Dexter was my first introduction yep. into bodybuilding, and uh, this was in 2008. So you know, it's not like now where there was social media and everything that was you know that is so out there with bodybuilding. You you really, if you really wanted to know what was going on, you had to join the forums. Yeah. Or I remember bodybuilding.com was also big back then. So I was a big bodybuilding.com forum guy too. Right. I was on there all the time. And, um, you know, I got introduced to a lot of, a lot of the guys that were, you know, on the circuit back then, of course, after, you know, I found out about that and I started to look into bodybuilding. Um, I mean, it's 2008, Ronnie Coleman, if you didn't know who Ronnie Coleman was, oh, he, yeah. had finished, he had finished his Olympia run, but you know, those, um, Mitsuru DVDs and everything, they were still oh, sure. out there, right? So I got myself, you know, I I, I went on like LimeWire. I got myself a couple of those DVDs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I would watch them and I would just be like, damn, like, this is insane. Like, like these guys are superheroes. These guys yeah. are gods. You know, that, that that's how I looked at it. Like, I remember there was a, a video, you know, Ronnie Coleman, he was in, I think he had like a yellow Hummer or something. And he's riding down the road and he's got his chicken in his hand. And I'm just like, this guy is above, he's above us all, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> and, you know, I was a young kid. So, you know, you're impressionable. I was like, I, I want to be like that. But I didn't really know how, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I just kept going on the forums. And then I, I started, you know, at a local gym. And there was a local bodybuilder um, around that time that was in that gym. So I would always just go and ask him questions, like, how do you do this? And how do you do that? And, you know, I guess from at one point he got irritated. <laughs> so sure. he was like, dude, just just come work out with me. Like, just just see what it's like, you know? Yep. And um, of course, he buried me. You know, I was still, I was, I was about 16, 16, 17 at the time, okay. you know? He had just, he, he buried me, you know, but it really taught me, he taught me how to train, you know, um, Michael definitely taught me how to train and I kind of followed that, emulated that. And then I went into my first competition, you know, an OCB competition, um, you know, the next summer and I, you know, I took first in my class Wow. and it went overall. Yeah. I took first in my class and then that was it. You know, I went into, I went into, you know, college after that. Um, and then. I continued with bodybuilding after that. That then I got really serious into bodybuilding because all you had to do was, you know, study, eat. I mean, I was yeah. in the dining halls, you know, they're serving if you have, you know, the college cafeterias. You told me you had just dropped your daughter off in college, you know, the, the college cafeterias. I mean, if you want to get big, if you're watching this and you're in college, that is the perfect place to get big. Like, oh, yeah. I would go into the cafeteria. I would get like four chicken breasts per meal. I was eating four to five times a day. You know, <laughs> you, probably had the, you probably had a limited meal plan then, I would think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would always, oh, I would always run through it. And my friends didn't eat that much. So, like, towards the end of the year, they weren't using their meal plan. I'll just use theirs, you know, like, so. <laughs> 
I, I, I did, I did, you know, what I could. And, you know, looking back sometimes, I think maybe I overdid, did it, you know, like four to five chicken breasts, you know, they're like, they're like, you know, six ounce chicken breast. That's a little yep. bit too much, mm -hmm. but I didn't know any better, but it really helped me because, you know, I started college at uh, about 175, 180 pounds. And, you know, within the, within two years, I was about two, 210 to 212. And by the end of college, I was about 223, you know, so wow. I just kept going up. I just kept going up, getting stronger. Yeah. And then I competed after that again, during college in my junior year, um, in the IPL and I took first there again. Wow. So, so I said, you know, wow, I, I think, you know, I, I think maybe I, I got something with this, you know, I, I dabbled in powerlifting for a while too, because I was, I was very strong. Um, you know, I, had, I was at that point by, by, by the end of college, I was, you know, already hitting three plates on a bench. I could squat five plates, no wow. problem. Uh, deadlifts. I was very strong. So I was like, if I'm this strong, let me see how I, how I can do in powerlifting. So I went into USAPL trained for it with my friend eric i took first there too <laughs> so, a lot of first here. <laughs> yeah, so you know it's it's um my lifting career it's so weird because i've actually never come second um so far wow so after that you know after college i you know as a young adult you're still trying to find your way you know so i actually took a hiatus from bodybuilding specifically Okay. Um, because you know, I was still, I was still trying to find my way, get a job, be a little bit more stable. So I took a hiatus and after a while, I honestly thought that maybe I wouldn't continue doing this. I just felt that maybe I didn't have what it takes. Mm -hmm. Um, but and then first, I'm sorry, even with all these first places in your head, you were still kind of second guessing yourself. i still did. I still wow. did because you know, and that's what people sometimes because we're in the social media age now right so we see a lot of yeah. you know young kids that they've probably just started lifting for a year and they say they're going to go pro or they say they're going to do great things in the sport they're going to be a mr olympia but they you know some of them haven't really seen people on the circuit they don't they haven't really seen the people that are out there even the yeah. top amateurs that are trying to turn pro I mean, Nick Walker didn't turn pro his first run at the USA. Yep. Yep. You know, that should tell you that um, there are a lot of there are a lot of top talent out there, you know, uh, within bodybuilding. So I just felt that maybe, you know, I may have I may have something, but maybe it's just not good enough, you yeah. know. And I said that, you know, maybe I should just focus on my career and and, you know, maybe this is not in the cards for me. And then, Sean, uh, COVID happened. <laughs> okay all right <laughs> big c happened and yeah. that was the first time in my life i hadn't trained for five to six months straight because i had no access to a gym at all but you, you weren't doing like anything in the house didn't buy rubber bands nothing whatsoever to kind of acclimate i'm all or nothing so i started with okay. that yep <laughs> i started with that you know with the bands and the, the, the push-ups i was doing all that and then i I mean, I'm I'm benching 315 in the gym, going to push yeah. It's just not doing anything for me. So yep. I, I I hated it. And I said, you know what? If I can't do this the way I want to do it, I'm not gonna do it at all. So I stopped. Okay. And that was when I realized the saying is really true. You don't appreciate what you have till you Amen. Lose it. Yep. 
And that was when I realized, as I saw my body in front of me start to literally disintegrate in front of me, (laughs) I realized that I had done enough to be worthy to at least give it a shot. Yep. I didn't want to be someone that looking back, you know, by the time I was in my 50s, 60s, say, saying, if only I tried, you know, maybe I should have yep. tried it. So I said, you know what, once COVID, once this is done, the pandemic is done and gyms are back open, I'm going to give this a run and I'm going to give it a run like, like none other, you know, and when I'm done, if it doesn't work out, I'm going to say, you know what? At least I tried. Exactly. Won't be that what if in your mind. Exactly. And that's what happened. So uh, last year, um, you know, I started prepping for for a show. And this time I said, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go where the top talent is. I want to compete with the best of the best. Yep. So I went into the MPC and, you know, I. I hired a coach. It was my first time ever using a coach. I had never worked with a coach before. Um, And, you know, I hired a coach. His name is Nick Bono from Team GPS. We still work together today. Great guy. And, you know, he took me under his wing and he said, listen, you know, I think you got what it takes, you know, because I was I was the self-defeating type where I was like, I don't think I'm good enough. You know, I don't think Mm -hmm. I can do this. And he told me, like, listen, you you got what it takes. But if you, you have to put in the work. Uh, to see if this this will happen, so I said, okay, we'll give it a run. So we did a we did a prep, which I'll probably never do that kind of prep again. It was okay. <laughs> it was a twenty eight week prep. <laughs> wow. So so at that point though, were you trying to build? Because you probably went that out of weight. Did you need an overweight? Did you need twenty eight weeks? So keep in mind, we were coming off COVID. Yeah. So I needed to recomp one right. Okay. I needed to recomp. Uh, to get back to where I was, and then I needed to diet down because if yeah. I had just dieted down, there would there's no there's nothing there to to, yeah, to yeah. diet down, you know. So I needed to l- put on a little bit and then start to diet down, and okay. that's what we did. That's why it took that long. So um, at the end of it, we went to the Delaware State, um, yep. and then uh, Todd Howe's show. He puts on a great show over there. For, shout out to Todd Howe. And, um, you know, I competed there and then I came first again and then I took overall. <laughs> what did you doing at that? Was that a middle or light, light heavy or would you compete at? I was, I competed as a heavyweight. So oh, heavyweight, I competed, okay. yeah, I competed at 217, 217 okay. pounds. And, um, you know, Fred Biggie Smalls, uh, he was at that show and, you know, he pulled me aside after and he said, listen, you got what it takes. I think you should go to Nationals. You know, that's I a big endorsement, you, dude. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was like, wow. Keep in mind, the topic throughout all this has been, I've never felt that I was worthy or good enough. Mm-hmm. And a top pro like Freddie, Freddie Biggie Smalls, who's been to the Olympia, is telling me, yeah. well, me, that you're good enough. If you go to nationals, you pull off another five pounds, you can win. Um, So I said, wow. I mean, if this guy's saying it, like, god i i gotta do something (laughs) you know so um i really thought about it after that towards the end of the prep but um you know we've been going for 28 weeks at that point um mentally 
I had, I was, I was at my breaking point. I and imagine. Finan yeah, financially, I would have to do North Americans. So uh, for people that don't know, the North Americans is a, is a one week show. So you're going to have to fly into Pittsburgh um, on check-in day, right? And you're yeah. going to have to wait the whole week for bodybuilding to happen. So you have to account for hotel expenditures, your meals during the time you're there. And, you know, I just didn't feel that the expense was worth it, right? Because yeah. that was the closest national show that I would have done during that period of time while I would have had to wait till um, the, the USA's or probably the Olympia Amateurs, which was mm -hmm. another th another two to three months, which I couldn't do. So <laughs> that would be... You'd be like 40 weeks on a diet. Exactly. 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 So I said, you know what, let's, let's, let's cut it here. Let's cut it here. We're already qualified. And, um, well, well, you know, next year we know that this is the base plan and this is what we're going to do. So that's right. how that, that prep ended. And, um, you know, here we are about, you know, 13, about 13 weeks out from, you know, the nationals in Florida. So that's, that's how that happened. So you haven't competed since the Delaware last year, right? Is that what you're saying? No. Yeah, I have not competed. Okay. So I, we decided, you know, last year we had done um, a lot of recomping just to get me back to where I, I, I used to be. Yep. So this year um, we decided, okay, let's try and get you a good off season because okay. um, I'm not actually a very big eater. So okay. yeah, I actually don't eat a lot. Like when it comes to carbs specifically, because let me throw it back to the college days. I didn't know any better nutrition wise. So I would, you know, eat enormous amounts of protein, but my carbs would be always be really small, right? Because I right. always felt that's what I needed. So metabolically speaking, I've never been a big carb eater. So when it came time to really diet down, um, I had to suffer. I really had to suffer because, you know, I, I was doing, you know, 50 grams of carbs a day, you know, for weeks on end just to yeah. get, just to get the, just to get it down. So we, we said, you know, let's try and work on your, your food a little bit this year and see if you can, okay. you can eat a little bit more. So that's what we did this off season. Um, I finished it at 253. So, you know, the 250 I started from last year off season is a completely different 253 from this year, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, I, I started from 253 this year, we gained a ton of size because I know, the biggest knock for me last year was um, I needed to work on my hamstrings and my back. Okay. Those are my two weakest points. From the front, I was perfectly fine. Um, but from the, the back and the hamstrings was what needed work. Um, so you need, were, you need width? You need thickness on the back? What were you working towards? Or a little bit of both? So I have the width. It's the thickness. The thickness okay. of the back. Um, so that's what I really worked on this year. And, um, it, I think it's been successful. I mean, I mean, you saw me, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it, yeah. the backs really come up, especially my hamstrings. I'd say my hamstrings seem to be, uh, an even stronger point on my physique now, <laughs> which is, which is crazy to say. So it was a really successful, uh, really successful off season. And then, you know, now that we've started prep, um, we're actually eating a lot more than we did last year. 
you know, right. it's it's still not the amount of food that I would like to eat. Yep. <laughs> you know, some people are eating like, you know, 230 grams of carbs getting shredded. And it, it, I wish it was that, but I'm not eating 230 grams of rice per meal. You know, I'm still I'm I'm still a lot. I'm still eating a little lower, but it's a lot better than last year. And, um, you know, yep. we're we're nine pounds down and then we're we're working at it, getting stronger and, you know, getting leaner by the day. When I saw you weeks ago, brother, when you said 250, and this isn't because you're my guest, not trying to be nice, but you wear it very well. I mean, I didn't see what your I didn't see what your stomach looked like, but you were very tight. Like I didn't see any bloat. I didn't see anything over you know, overhanging. You were tight for 250. Right. At your size. Right. I mean that respectively. Yeah, thank you. No, yeah, you know, it's it's um we my coach always says is we he said, listen, if we start to lose the abs, we're getting too fat. Yeah. So we pull back. So, you know, I, I, I finished at 253. I still had abs, you know, I've, I've had abs all year round. Yeah. And um, I posted a, like a progress photo yesterday um, to my stories um, at 244, you know, and, you know, people were messaging me. They're like, dude, at 244, you have like a completely dice midsection. I'm like, yeah, because, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of the, I would say it's one of the stronger points of my physique. Um, it just, just having that abdominal section, just, you know, I've always trained it like very, very hard, like for a couple of years, actually I scaled back because, um, I started to feel that my, my core, you know, the obliques, I was training the obliques a little bit too much too, which was thickening my waist. So I actually scaled back on my, on my ab training. So that's actually what's really helped, you know, to keep okay. the abs like very tight throughout the year. And, um, when I was younger, like I said, you know, um, I was really trying to get bigger. I was, I was, you know, trying to do everything I can. I was so crazy that I would sit down as we are now and I would keep my abs flexed the entire okay. time. I would always do that 24 seven. Wow. And okay. because I, because I, I wanted to, I, I didn't think I could look like Dexter, but I wanted to try as much as I could. Right. Yep. So I would do that. And to be quite honest, I got used to that. So a lot of times, um, even sitting now, like my abs, I, I keep them like engaged 24 seven pretty much. Yeah. So I think that's also, that's also helped a lot. That's also helped a lot. The big thing too, and we'll go into this, is <clears throat> people seem to forget like when you're, when you're on stage though, doing those quarter turns is to make sure that that waist is still in check. Cause that's, what's killing the pros is when they turn, they let go for a minute and that's when they get those pregnant bellies and they get killed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's yeah. People, the transitions is the transitions yeah. is, is what catches a lot of people unaware, a lot of people unaware. And when you have a guy who has a very, uh, clean midsection, right. That tends to always put them in a, in a higher caliber than the rest of, than the rest of their, their tiers. So, you look yep. at two years if you look at two years ago right the rise of nick walker nick walker his physique it's it's not exactly a flex wheeler type of physique right but when mm -hmm. he stands there you know he does his front relax or he pulls a front double you just his abs just scream at you right like like yeah he's he's just as big as everyone else but what separates him from the rest of them is there's just so much detail when you're looking at him from the front this year the same thing with andrew jacked right andrew jack yeah, from the yeah. texas pro stage you know he stands there he does a front double the abs are so etched in so diced that you have no choice 
but to look at him compared to everyone else. He wasn't the most conditioned guy on stage, but just because that abdominal section, it does a lot for a physique when it comes to separating you from the rest of the pack. Oh, yeah. I think it really does. It really does. I mean, and even now when you look at Nick Walker at, I don't know, 295 or whatever he is now, he's still shredded in the abdominal area. Like, he's keeping that in check. Yeah. So it makes, it makes you wonder when he really leans down. I mean, I don't know what he's going to gun for, 260s. I don't know what he's going to come in at. But if his abs are that tight now, how are they going to look when he's really below 10%? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much bigger they can get because those things were like, they were like those Mario blocks, you know, when you played Mario when you were, yep, <laughs> you were a yep. kid. In them. That's, that's what they looked like, you know, just stuck on a body. So I, I don't know how much bigger he could, he could get them. Um, but, yeah, he's got a very well-developed uh, well developed midsection, and it really separates him from the rest of the pack, you know, at that yep. level. So, and, and you talk a lot about Dex. Dex is, Dex is the guy that I had the most – uh, admiration for growing up because I, I i mean i like the mass monsters but i like more of the physiques and i don't know if you're aware dexter got his pro card as a lightweight not a lot of people realize yeah. that yeah. which is crazy yeah he did he did and um he kept putting on size from there you know there's and, and maybe maybe sean maybe you can you can tell me you could tell me a little bit more because i know during the the the, the 90s early 2000s people weren't always so uh What's the word I'm looking for? They weren't always so honest with their actual weight on stage, right? People people would blow it up. So there's always been speculation, right? That Dexter was really in the 230s back then, yep. 230s to like low 240s. Um, but, you know, we we would hear that, oh, he's 250 on stage. I mean, what do you think? Do you, do you think he was like a 250-pound bodybuilder or like a high 230s, you know? No, I would... It's funny because because I think Dex was always in that competing at 230, 235. Yeah, but the yeah. one thing he always talked about was he never went off season by more than like 15, 20 pounds most. Right, right. And that's why his physique, like some people look at him like from the beginning to the end. And he never like he might have put on through his career, his 20 years or whatever it was, because he had one of the longest careers. He might have only changed like maybe 12, 15 pounds, but he refined it. But if you look at all these other guys, they started X. You know, like, I don't know, when you look at maybe the, the Kevin Lavronis that maybe yeah. won their pro card at 220, maybe two teens, and he ended at 250, 255, the Ronnie Coleman's. You know, Dexter wanted to play the symmetry game. He didn't want to play yeah. the mass game. And I think that's what gave him longevity, just his health, his joints, everything else. Yeah, no, I, I completely, I completely agree. And there's there's something to be said, you know, when you do bodybuilding your own way versus yep. chasing chasing the king if that makes sense sure um there, there's some bodybuilders you know cedric may you rest in peace you know he did bodybuilding his own way from the very beginning till the end you know people wanted him people always said oh if you put on you know cedric puts on 20 pounds of muscle or 10 pounds he's mr olympia but he's like that's not a physique that i want to look like you know and dexter yep. was pretty much the same thing dexter dexter went through the ronnie coleman era you know everyone was chasing ronnie coleman you know, yep. during that time. I mean, Jay said it himself that he had to get that big because he was chasing Ronnie Coleman. He didn't want to be that big, but he he just had to. And, you know, I feel like a lot of those physiques, they looked better, you know, 10 pounds lighter. Like one of my favorite, one of my actual favorite 90s bodybuilders was Kevin Lavrone, right? Of course. And, you know, before Kevin actually put on that extra size, I thought that was the perfect balance for him. 
you yeah. know, when he got the butt, when he, when he took the hair off and, you know, he was really pushing the size, you know? Um, yeah. I think, I think, unfortunately the champion defines the landscape and yep. that's the reason why a lot of these guys, you know, pushed the way they did. But Dexter, he stuck, he stuck to his guns because I don't think it was, I think he understood where he started from and where he got there. There was no point pushing further. You know, yep. like you said, he started from a, a, a lightweight. There, You've already gone the extra mile. There's no point pushing that much. And it really helped his physique, you know, until the very end. You know? I don't think anybody won their car. I don't think anybody has won their card at such a lower weight and made so much advancements. Because most of the lightweights, you know, they turn pro. They might go middle, maybe light heavy. But when yeah. you think about him jumping three, four classes, maybe, like in the overall grand yeah. scale. Yeah. I don't think – I don't think – I don't think I've, there's anyone I know that has done that. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. Because the only person I can think of, but he hasn't really jumped that far, is Sean Clarita. Yeah. You know, Sean Clarita going to the 212. Because I think he he got his card at Bantam. I think he, he got his card okay. as a Bantam, from what I understand. So he's jumped up significantly, but not to that level. You know, yeah. not to that level of Dexter. Yeah. So you mentioned that's actually a question someone asked. You mentioned Flavroni. So is he your ideal physique, or if you could seriously mold your physique to somebody else? I know it's all about us, but who would you who would you want to have physique on your body? Yeah, um, I'm a realist, Sean. I'll be honest. Um, yeah, it would be nice to be like a Lavroni type physique, but I don't think my physique heads in that direction at all. Yep. So I think my ideal physique for me. Um, just looking at the landscape, and I would say, like, it would be a William Bonac type. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, you know, uh, William is, you know, we're kind of the same height. He's maxed out on his entire frame. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's wide, but everything is compact in a sense. And that's mm -hmm. that's kind of how my, my physique type kind of is. Everything is just pushed out and bubbly, but it's compact. So yep. I think like if my physique is heading in, in a direction, I would like it to be more of a William type physique where it's like you look at this physique and you say, there's nothing you can say well, like, for William. What's the knock on William? Oh, the guy is short. Oh, the guy, you know, he's a, yeah, he's a little bit, he's a little bit, you know, he's short. What else are you going to say? Yeah, what, exactly. Where are you going to put muscle on his body? There's nowhere left. You yep. know, he's maxed it out. So I think for me, that's where my physique would typically tend to go. Maybe, maybe a little bit more um, streamlined okay. around there, but towards towards that side. That's where I would say my my physique would go. Now, if I wanted a physique that I would like, sure, I would like to be like a flex wheeler, you know. <laughs> but oh, yeah. I know I can't I can't be a flex wheeler, you know. So um, I'm just being realistic with what I think my physique is 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 headed, you know. No, and I appreciate that. So I know you talked about it a little bit. What is what is your training schedule like? Do you still train like a power lifter at all? Or are you kind of more bodybuilding mode or when you're off season, let's say? So training-wise, um, and I have I have a question I'm gonna ask you after this. Um sure. training-wise, I train I train it's a bodybuilder style, okay, but um it's you know it's heavy, it's a lot of compound movements. I'm I'm not really a uh, very big on machine work. 
I know a lot of people have shifted towards machines, but it's very heavy on compound movements. That's 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 why I love Apollo. You know, they they, yeah. they got all the barbells, they got what you need. Um, so for example, you know, I do pretty much like a a chest and a chest and shoulders. So I would merge chest and shoulders, and then I do legs, its own separate day. The back has its own separate day for itself, and then shoulders, and then light chest. So okay. I do light chest with that. And then I do arms and then I have a separate day again, because my back is something I'm working on for my week, my weaker points, which is the back and hamstrings yeah. and it rotates that way. But the bulk of the main workouts center around two to three compound movements, right? So if we're right. doing, say, for example, chest would be, you know, a barbell incline, you know, a, a flat bench, and mm -hmm. then, you know, we would do some isolatory work after that but okay. the main bulk and then we would do like a dumbbell shoulder press but the main movements i'm focusing on are the compound movements and i'm trying to um you know have progressive overload specifically in those movements i'm not really concerned with um gaining weight on a cable fly you know yep. i'm not really concerned with that i'm more concerned about the weights and how much heavier i'm going on my compound movement so it's it's bodybuilding it's more like uh i would say it's it's more of a heavy volume training style okay uh com compared to you know nowadays i know i know people are doing a lot more um lower frequency you know mm -hmm. lower frequency and then they focus on maybe three movements and they try and push those three movements as far as they can take it that's kind of the lay of the land now but that's never worked for me um what works for me is, you know, heavy poundage and, and just, uh, you know, working on that muscle till it, it can't fire anymore till failure, you know? Yep, yep. <laughs> so I have a question with you on that because sure. I, I, I posted this on my, on my Instagram recently and I got, I got slaughtered. I, I got a ton of, a ton of responses on this. Okay. And I said, you know, nowadays, um, I've been seeing in the gym, especially, you know, we're in the era of Nick Walker. And we know that, you know, Nick Walker is a very slow, controlled type, um, you know, trainer, right? So he does very slow on the reps, you know, he pushes through. And I said, listen, um, that's great. And I think it works very well, but it works very well for refinement once you've gone to a certain weight so I, I said i don't think it's beneficial for someone starting out in bodybuilding or powerlifting to be on a bench and doing slow reps you know that's yep. a different intensifier i think that person should work more on gaining strength in those movements with good form but mm -hmm. good form doesn't mean you have to slow it down till it's you know you're having five seconds per you know per flow of movement i think yeah you should just focus on the movement and gaining strength in those compound movements. And then when you're up to a certain level, you know, within your skill set and your training, you can add those intensifiers. And Sean, I got slaughtered for saying this. Okay. <laughs> so what are your thoughts? I, I, I want to know because I was like, I, I can't I couldn't believe it myself. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, there, there's people that's it's the old school that I should say old school, but there's people that it's more of the time under tension, like the slow and methodical right. where I know, I mean, we could be here forever. Cause there's so many, really what works for you, the person, 
you know, let, let's face it, because obviously what works for Nick Walker probably is not going to work for you and vice versa. Right. You know, some people I know, they, they worry more about the negative and explode to the positive. You're doing bench, like they explode up, but then work on the negative. It's so hard to tell because I'm not avoiding your question, but everyone's so different. You know, everybody likes to put people in a box right. that, oh, this nutrition program will work for you. No, it worked for me, but not for you. Exactly. Lifting, you know, a question that, that I had, and we can kind of segue into this, you know, as lifters, are we overcomplicating things with angles and movements? You know, bend at a, bend at a 68 degree and do laterals because it'll hit more of the rear delt and you know, I'm more the, the old school, the compound movements, like you said, and maybe some maybe some cable stuff, but I'm kind of getting long-winded here. But again, yeah, you're not wrong with what you were saying earlier. You're not wrong. Yeah. I and, and that's and that's you know, to segue into that question, yes, I, I hundred percent agree. I think things are being overcomplicated with movements and angles. Listen, you know, like you said, the 90s you know, early 2000s till now, not much has really changed when it comes to training, right? Yes. People like Branch Warren, Johnny Jackson, Ronnie Coleman, the Metroflex guys, those guys never really used machines. You no. know, they just took the weights. Of course, the form wasn't always perfect, but look at what they were able to do, right? Yep. With their training style. Um, and you know, nowadays we're seeing people using bands and, you know, intensifiers and all this. And listen, like you said, it works, it works, but I don't think that when people are designing their programs, especially when you're starting out. So amateur to intermediate level, I don't think you need those things. So you get to a certain point where you're lifting where the risk versus reward is just not worth it yes. right so if you're if you're someone that's already you know you're squatting five plates every day in the gym well there's really no point pushing past five plates right the risk of progressing in that weight versus getting injured what you're going to gain muscle per square inch is just not worth it right yeah so you can start adding different things and different modalities and intensifiers to actually make that weight or use lesser weight work to prevent risk for injury. And that's what I think a lot of pros, you know, at that level do, but people think that because they're doing it, they should be doing it as well, but they haven't maximized yes. their potential of where they are within their lifting career for them to be incorporating those things. And that was my, um, my main argument with that. Yeah. You know, as I say, people that, that are training, especially in your first couple of years, you know, worry about putting on a size, work on those compound movements. Don't worry about the angles and this and that build that foundation. And then, you know, if you're trying to refine, then start going more of the cables and some machines and stuff, but otherwise stick to the compound, stick to what, you know, Arnold and Colombo used to do in the seventies. Hasn't changed. Exactly. It hasn't changed. Listen, I tell people this, if you squat, bench, and deadlift every single day, not every day, but like as your program on a weekly basis, yep. you will grow, <laughs> okay? You're progressing in those movements. That's all you do. You're eating right. You're getting your sleep. You will grow. Yep. It, 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 it's, it, there's no need to overcomplicate things. Focus on, focus on the simple movements first. And then once you start to reach a level of, you know, no return or risk versus reward, 
then you can start incorporating those other things into it. So I'm with yep. you. I think it's overcomplicated. And that, that's how you know you mature as an athlete, where when we all start, it's all about how much do you bench? How much do you squat? How much, how much, how much? And right. then you fast forward as you mature, it's more of, I don't care if you're only bench pressing 225, but if exactly. it's looking clean and you look good doing it, it's all that matters. Exactly. Exactly. How are you, how are you recruiting those muscles during yes. doing the weight? You know, like they were saying something, I watched something the other day and um, Neil Hill was talking about when he coached Big Rami. And he said that Big Rami was able to fatigue his quads with just one plate on a hack squat. Yeah. And that should, I mean, look at the guy's quads. I mean, clearly you can tell that man is connected. You know, he's connected with, with those things oh, yeah. <laughs> on, a, on a very high level, you know? So the recruiting the weight, recruiting the muscle fibers, you know, that mind to muscle connection, I think is also very important when you're doing this stuff. Yep. Like I have a good, I have a very good friend because he, he's a national competitor getting ready to defend his crown in, in Panama, Florida in a couple of weeks. And I yeah. laugh and he might even be listening. He's going to know who I'm talking about. He loves to do what the girl, I hate to say what the girls do where you put the plate and you're doing the pelvic thrusts. Okay. okay. Like and he thrust, does yeah. like, he does like three plates, like three forty fives on each side. And I said, dude, are you trying to get a bubble butt? What what's the purpose? What are you doing? You know, okay, everyone wants striated glutes, but I'm like, you don't need to put three plates on each side for like two to three reps. And he's gonna yell at yeah. me for this later when he sees this, but anyway. And, and and I think the problem there, I don't think the problem is the movement because the hip thrust is very good for hamstrings too. Of course. It's very good for hamstring development. I think the problem is, you know, doing three reps on the movement is worthless in a, in, in, in a scheme of bodybuilding, especially for that particular movement, which is more of a, as you said, a bubble butt builder, you know, um, <laughs> it's, it, you're, you're chasing hypertrophy. So it's, it's not really beneficial to be on a low rep scale when you're doing something like that. Yep. Yep. So let's, let's bring in a couple of questions. We'll do some round robins here. Okay. Who is your Mount Rushmore bodybuilders? Ah, uh, that's a, uh, okay. And, and let me, well, anybody that's listening to this, Kenny has not been privy to any of these questions ahead of time. It's right here on the spot. Right. And let me preface this too by saying that, you know, if your favorite bodybuilder is not on the list, it's not disrespect. I respect all these guys. They're pros, you know, so it's not really, you know, this is just my opinion. Sure. So don't take it as, don't take it as gospel. But number one on that list is Ronnie Coleman. I mean, I mean, if Ronnie Coleman is not on that list, I'm sorry. You don't know bodybuilding. Yeah. <laughs> he's the king. There's a reason why he's called the king of bodybuilding. Um, I think Ronnie is definitely number one. Um, number two on that list would go to Dorian Yates, in my opinion. Um, okay. Dorian Yates changed the landscape of bodybuilding forever. Yes. Um, I think his influence on bodybuilding and the impact that he made on the sport um, you can't, you cannot not put him on that list. Number three is Arnold. Um, okay. I think Arnold, the influence that he's had on the sport as well, not necessarily his physique, the, the physiques have improved since the seventies. So you can't really compare his physique to, you know, a physique of today, but mm -hmm. the impact he had on the sport, the reason why bodybuilding is where it is today is technically because of Arnold, you know, yeah. um, you know, pumping iron and, you know, 
bringing it to the forefront, he was the one that was instrumental in that. So I put Arnold there as number three. Number four, in my opinion, would be Flex Wheeler. Okay. I think I think Flex Wheeler is an uncrowned, is 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 probably the most uncrowned Mr. Olympia. I think when you talk about the perfect physique, right? The perfect physique for bodybuilding. Yep. Um, and you draw if you tell an artist to draw it, you're basically drawing Flex Wheeler. Um, okay. I think I think that's the reason why Flex Wheeler will be on that list for Sultan Symmetry. And then the last person would probably be huh. Hmm. <laughs> All right, we can go back to it. If it comes to um, mind. I'd say it's it's gonna be between. To be honest, it, it, I mean that last person on that because I'm looking more. I'm not just looking at the physique. I'm looking at their impact, their contribution sure. to bodybuilding. Right. I think I think that's that's the most important thing. So the last person for me would probably be between. <sighs> it would probably be between Phil Heath and lee haney or jay okay. cutler or jay cutler okay one of those three because jay is not really because of his amount of wins it's because of what he's done for the sport and what he's still doing for the sport today yes i think jay is the most um he's the he's the, he's the one mr olympia that continues to give back to the sport even after his reign um mm -hmm. so i think there's something to be said for that and then lee haney and phil heath would be because of your record you know, yep. I think getting the title um, eight and seven times is is a lot. That's seven and eight years in the making, yep. you know, that you, you took that title. So there's something to be said. So it's a toss up between those three. So I'll, I'll let someone think for that. <laughs> I, I, I was wondering if you're going to show your age or not and whether you're going to say Lee Haney or not. Because because he <laughs> for me is, is on. But again, I'm a, I'm a little bit older than you. Right. But if, if you think about it, knowing if you know how much about Lee Haney, he won his eighth by the age of 32 and hung up his shorts and walked away. And some people say because he had Dorian nipping in his heels, or he was just like, you know what, I don't need any more to prove. I'm walking, I'm stepping away with high, you know, in high fashion. Yeah. I think, yeah, like you said, I think Lee Haney is one of those guys. He doesn't get talked about a lot when we talk about, yeah. you know, bodybuilding. Because to be quite honest with you, Lee Haney is squeaky clean. And when yes. I mean squeaky clean, I mean I mean class act. You know, um, there was never really much con controversy. You know, with his wins, they were always clear cut compared yep. to a lot of Mr. Olympias. So there was no debate there. Number two, like you said, he kind of hung it up at the prime of his career. A lot of a lot of um, Mr. Olympia champions, they're usually beat out. You know, yes. and it's because of like injuries. You know, injuries mm -hmm. start to set the physique back. Or someone takes over and then they try to get it back and then they end up. But Lee quit, you know, he stopped at the peak of, yeah. of his, you know, as a bodybuilder, 32, from 30, 31 till about 34, 35 is the peak of your physique when it starts to mature. Yeah. So we never even saw Lee Haney at the peak of what his physique could have looked like. And he, he hung it up there. And yep. With that too, he's still within the sport now. He may not be on the forefront like like a Jay Cutler, but he's still actively within the sport till today. You yes. know, so I think that's why Lee Haney is people don't mention him a lot because typically you, he's pretty squeaky clean when it comes to you know when it comes to his uh, yeah. his media presence. You know, 
I think he hit it right on the head because every oh, every bodybuilder or somebody talks a little bit of shit about somebody else, exactly. but it's true. Exactly. I've never heard a negative thing at all. Even like Nothing. Rich Gasparri and everybody else that were on the stage with him never said anything negative. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, the guy, I mean, he was a class act from the beginning till the end, you know? And keep in mind, let's, let's, let's you know, bodybuilding takes away from family life for a lot for for a lot of pros at that level you know a lot of pros don't end up getting married or if they're married they don't really have kids because the sacrifice yep. um to get there is a lot and you know lee haney he, he he has a family he's been married to the same woman you know since the beginning of his career you yes. know he's got wonderful kids so that's someone that's just winning in all angles like he did what he wanted to do in the sport he did it and here he is you know happy healthy and you know with a beautiful family and he's continues yeah. to you know be successful so i think that's the reason why too he's just he's just too clean he's just too squeaky clean you can't say anything <laughs> so I, I, know you, I know you mentioned flex but i don't know if you want to stand by best bodybuilder to never win the o if you're doubling down on flex or if there's anybody else are we talking about on crown mr olympias or the top of the or the top person that never won the mr olympia that should have won in your mind you could say whoever's who somebody or somebody's that maybe should have won that didn't okay so i think flex wheeler should have won a mr olympia not because not on the day not on the day but if he ever maxed his physique and brought his best physique to the stage Yep. at the Mr. Olympia, he would have won a title. So Flex is in a separate category. So I think Flex should have is one of the best bodybuilders that never won a Mr. Olympia because he okay. never showed up to that on the day of the show. Now, if we're talking about on the day of the show that should have won that didn't win, that is a completely different story. <laughs> I think, in my opinion, okay. Uh, 2007 Victor Martinez I think okay that is the one 2007 Victor Martinez and 93 Nasser El Simbadi those mm. two I think on the day yeah those were the two people that I think got shafted the most they should have won hands down and I think you know Victor Martinez I think if he won in 2007 it would have changed the trajectory of his career um, yeah, you know, I really think it would have. So those are the two people I think, you know, best and never won on the day. But overall, yeah. Flex Wheeler. Yeah. Interesting you say Victor, because I listen to Jay Cutler's podcast a lot, and that comes up a lot. He says no, he thinks he should have deservedly won, but a lot of people will say to him, you know, Victor should have won two thousand seven. Yeah, nah, nah. I, I mean, what's Jay supposed to say? Oh, he, I won it by luck, you know. I no, mean, he's, <laughs> he's pretty honest though. Like, you know, saying, "Listen, I didn't look that good. I should." He's actually admitted that he shouldn't have won. There was one year he said that he should not have won because of the torn bicep and everything else. I think it was two thousand nine. Maybe 2009. I don't remember. Two thousand nine. Yeah, he had a torn one, bicep yeah. and something else. He had an infection, and he's like, "I shouldn't have won," and I did. Yeah. 2007 I, I've looked at those tapes I've looked at it three or four times and every time I see it I mean Victor's physique he when you talk about I think in bodybuilding people peak once you peak at a show once where you never look that good ever again like that yeah. is the ultimate physique that you can bring and Victor brought it in 2007 yeah. and when I look at that I've looked at the tapes I'm there's 
to me, there is no way. Maybe because I wasn't sitting there. Maybe if I was in yeah, Vegas, yeah, I would yeah. have a different story. But what I see on tape, I mean, I, I find it very hard to uh, to agree with Jay Cutler on that one. I think Victor should have won two times. But Kenny, let's let's uh, I mean, talk it friend to friend here. That was after Victor was in jail for a little while, correct? If I remember correctly. Um, I think no. I think no. No, no. I think okay. he went after that. I think okay. he went after okay. that because. I think he tried to do, I think it was 2009, maybe he tried, he was, he did the Arnold or something. He was coming back and that's when he got, uh, okay. he got, you know, he got jailed. Yeah. So that was after, like I said, okay. after that point, you know, I think his career started to go down a little bit, you know, yep. and, and it does, it does, it does something to a person mentally. Like, listen, we give so much to this sport and when you give everything and you bring your best and you're not rewarded for it, um, yeah. It could do something to you psychologically where, you know, you, you're not, you don't even realize that you're, you're kind of self-sabotaging your own career. And, you yep. know, Victor has openly admittedly said it himself that, you know, he's had a lot of ups and downs in his career, which are completely outside of bodybuilding, by the way, it's, sure. it's not even bodybuilding related and they affected his career. Um, you know, so I, I think like for me, 2007 if that happened it would have changed his life i really think it would have you know and okay. um yeah that's my that's my opinion all right derek lunsford open or 212 i don't think he's been i don't think he's announced it yet okay so <laughs> lay it all out brother sean when in the history of this sport have you ever heard the mr olympia promoters Bring out a video about one competitor and say, oh, it may be unhealthy for him to, you know, do this. So we yeah. may have to give him an invitation if he can't make the weight. Listen, if if they're bringing out a press statement, a press release about you, they're basically preparing the landscape so that when he comes into that show and they announce it, they'll tell you, this is the reason why we put it yeah. here. We told you guys, you know, a couple of months ago. And I think Derek posted on his, his, his Instagram post recently, I think yesterday or two days ago, something about growth that you have to keep growing. Um, so I think he's doing, I think he's doing the open. I think he's doing the open this year. I mean, but will, but will he get an invite or will he do a last minute show? That'll, that'll give him a, uh, give him a, well, uh, a qualification that he's going to get an invite. I mean, Dan Solomon, himself created that video it wasn't a statement from handy rambot it wasn't a statement yeah yeah derek dan dan solomon for people watching dan solomon is pretty much the mr olympia um you know he's kind of like the mr olympia like press press yeah. guy you know so he was the one that came out and brought this open interview and dialogue out that there is a potential that derek may be doing the open and if, the, if it's coming from the Mr. Olympia brand itself, um, yeah, I, I think he's they're handing him an invite, you know, straight. But that leads me to a question for you. I mean, if you're a Mr. If you're a Mr. Olympia 212, should you get an automatic qualification to the Mr. Olympia Open? It's so funny. I was watching a podcast about that, but I guess years ago there was an exemption given to I think there was an exemption given to Flex. But again, at that point, he was already five or six deep into the Misty Olympia. Um, I think it would just, I think, I say yes. 
because I think it would even build more uh, hype around the show. You know, Hottie made the jump, and look where Hottie is. Hottie's top three, and some people say, you know, some people are saying that he could be Mr. Olympia. I don't know if he could, but he's he's living proof. Um, I know one of the Raymonds years ago did did some open shows. Jose Raymond, yeah, maybe. Jose, Raymond, Raymond. Jose Raymond. Jose Raymond. Yeah, yeah, maybe not Olympia, but I know he did some open shows. And I don't think he plays that bad, but I would say, yeah, I would say get the yeah. guy in there. And if he if he comes at 100%, does he crack top five or maybe even top three in your opinion? Derek Lunsford, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Top, this Olympia is stacked. So top six. Seriously, dude. Top, top six. six. Okay. He's, he's, in, he's fighting with. Bonac, he's fighting with Bonac. He's fighting with, you know, um, you got Hunter, you got Nick, Hunter, Hunter Nick, Bonac. He's fighting with those guys. Yeah. Um, keep in mind, this Mr. Olympia, I think the lineup itself has to be one of the, the deepest lineups we've had in the last six, seven years. 30 so, people have qualified. That's the latest I've heard. 30 people. It's and, and, and this is not a qualification on points. Keep in mind, a lot of times no. from eight down, it's qualification on points. These guys have all won shows. These yeah. guys are really good, and they're very different. They're all very different. So outside of the top five, I couldn't really tell you, like, from six down what's going to happen because, you yeah. know, you, you throw an Andrew Jack in there. You throw a Samson Dowda in there. Blessing um, is another one that's kind of up and blessing, down. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are a lot of these pros now that they look so different compared to the lineup that I really don't know where they're going to place. And then I heard, I heard Justin Rodriguez is that may actually be doing the Olympia because he's top, he's uh top two in points. So okay. his body's fresh. He hasn't competed yep. throughout the last year. So who knows? You know, I mean, there, there's a lot of guys this year. I, 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 there's a lot of guys, you know. Yeah, which is good though, which is good for a point because I kind of feel a little bit that men's, men's open was kind of dying down a little bit, you know. And it's good yeah. to see a little bit of life back into it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think open is open is back. Um, you know, anyone that says that bodybuilding, I mean, it's so now it's there was a point in time where you did you kind of knew what was going on like I, I think halfway through phil's era you're just like oh it's gonna be another one you know like i already know where top top one to seven is gonna play it's nothing you yep. know but now the landscape is so volatile that you just want to see like like from from three down literally from three down sean yeah it's a toss-up about who who actually comes your best because you know this this is this is a, this is a trigger statement don't no one okay. should take my take me on this but it's a polarizing topic i if hunter shows up the way he showed up last year hunter may go down to six and below in my opinion yeah i don't think i don't think his showing last year was was justifiable for the placing that he got mm, if that okay. makes sense yeah. you know um because he beat nick, nick walker you know um and you know when you look that. at I, I watched the live stream. I, I looked at the photos. I mean, unless it's in person, is anything different? But it didn't really seem to me that it was a Claire. He should have placed fourth. Clearly, it didn't seem that way to me. You know, I think that's what people are good. I I can only assume. I think that's one of the lineups people want to see is Nick against against Rami, just in a comparison. What do you think? 
<laughs> Honestly, what do you think? <laughs> I know, I've been very vocal about this, okay? So I like Rami, okay? I like his physique because, again, as big as he is, his, his midsection is, his is in check. So I give him a lot of credit for that, okay? I mean, hell, one of his legs is, is the size of my body. <laughs> but as Mr. Olympia, I don't think he's been a very good ambassador to the sport. Yes. Because obviously he he didn't he didn't go to the Arnold, he missed the Pittsburgh Pro or whatever it was, and supposedly yeah, I mean this this is what people say I have no validity he was a no call no show nothing not a good yeah. look for Mr Olympia when you've got Weinberger who's you know at the top of the game here when you look at the IFBB yeah so I don't know if that's going to hurt him because half me says he can show up at a hundred percent but kind of get dinged because of politics so. Here's, here's what I think, and you're 100%, Sean, you're 100% right. And Jay Cutler has mentioned this before. With It's basically an athlete mentality, right? You struggle so hard to win. And then the fear of losing, especially when it's so in your face and clear as day, yep. becomes the driving force that pushes you. So with everything you just said now, that is – I think the driving factor for Rami, because if you notice, Rami has been completely, and I, I agree with you, he has not been a great Mr. Olympia in terms of representation, at least in the West. I don't know what's happening in the Middle East, yeah. but he was pretty much MIA from social media for the last seven months. And then yes. after, after the Jim Mannion guest posing that he missed with the no call, no show, if you notice, he has started posting a lot on his social media, he's training, yeah. he, he's showing his training videos. So it's almost like he he is aware. The, the point I'm trying to make is he is aware yeah. of what he did and the potential of what that means. If he doesn't come in 100% where it is not clear as day that he's the winner. If it's not clear as day he's the winner, in my opinion, he's going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's so if it's so drastic that he's clearly the winner i think they'll still give it to him because i personally still think that rami is in a separate league of his own mm -hmm. um i still don't think nick walker is uh is still on the same level as rami because keep in mind rami is 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 relatively tall in the lineup yep he's big he's also really big and he has a very nice midsection yes right um you know we talk about stars that break onto the scene all the time you know everyone's talking about andrew jack this year everyone's talking about nick walker last year people are forgetting 2013 when rami got on the scene in the new york pro mm -hmm. no one had ever seen no one had ever seen a physique like that where we're so used to it now because we've seen him for so many years but I remember when he first got on scene. I don't know if you remember that show. It was like a green backdrop. They had like a yep. green backdrop there. That was his first, his his pro debut in the U.S. And people were like, what the hell is this? Like, how is this possible? How can someone have legs like that? Um, so Rami's physique is 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 in a tier of its own. It, no yep. one is like him within the lineup. And if he comes in shape and he comes in diced, I don't think you can take that crown from him because he was what 336, 336 pounds. Um, and he was fairly lean in the photo yeah. that he showed. So if if as long as the prep goes well, he has a potential to win. But if there are any hiccups, 
well, you know, they've already made some statements about Derek. You know, there's Nick Walker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've also heard rumors, though, that some people are saying that this is his last show, that he had a, a thing to himself that he's going to retire at 37, 38. And yeah, family man, family man method or family man version, I guess. Yeah, he made that statement. He did make. That oh, he did. That, okay. Yeah, he did that. This this was his last year. Um, I'll believe it when I see it. You okay. know, I think sometimes the I think, you know, I'm not at that level where they're at where the pressure, just the pressure alone, of that show, you know, of trying to not lose that title it does a lot to the mind. And I think, I think Rami, just from what I've seen in the past, you know, when he was with Chris Aceto, he switched a lot of coaches. Mm -hmm. um, and just from what prior coaches have said about him, you know, Rami's a very nice guy. He's got a very gentle heart. I think mentally, mentally is where it hurts Rami the most. Mm -hmm. I think mentally the prep is where he suffers the most. And I think that is what continues to erode or eat at him should I say, you know, each yeah. year. So um, it there's a potential maybe his last year, but hey, once he gets that $400,000 check, he may say, you know what, maybe I should try this again one more time. <laughs> so, Kenny, let's, let's end this topic a little bit and we can laugh or, or, or poke fun at each other in three months here. Give me your top three or four for the show. Okay, so I still think Rami. Okay. Rami's first. Brandon is second. I don't think that top three is, is, is shifting. Brandon is second. Okay. Third is Hardy. Now fourth, I'm making a I'm making a statement call here. Fourth is Nick Walker. Okay. I think Nick Walker is sliding into fourth. I'll even give you a fifth. Uh oh. I think fifth is a toss up between Hunter. Yeah, I think fifth is Hunter. <laughs> I, think fifth, I was gonna say Bonac, but I don't know. I don't know if I don't know. If, I haven't seen them close side by side from each other, but yeah. I know Bonac has put on size again. I, I know he's he's come. He's a, he's a lot like his older self, you know, uh, compared to last year. So, yeah. but so I don't know. Bonac is dangerous. No one's talking about it. But I think Hunter Bonac, that number five spot, is gonna be one of them. Interesting. You know what? And I actually was going to say the same thing. I was going to say Rami and Brandon, surprisingly enough, but I think Nick's going to surprise people. I, I don't think, I mean, if it looks like this now, it's only going to get better. I don't know unless something happens where he spills or something, but I think Nick is going to be kind of the surprise a little bit. And I think when you look at the overall show, I think Samson is going to be the surprise. I don't know if I can place yes. him, but I think he's going to come in and surprise everybody, maybe coming in at a six, seven, eight spot. Yeah, I think Samson is going to be six or seven. That's yeah. where I see him. I think Samson is a six, six or seven. Then you have, then there's a toss up because I look at it. Ian was seventh last year. I don't know if Ian can beat Andrew Jacked. Yeah. Uh, to be quite honest with you. So it's a toss up between seven and eight for Ian and Andrew Jacked. One of them toss up between, between the other. And yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know what happens. That from from five down, which yeah. is what we said, like from five down, it's it's a dogfight. It's really a dogfight because they're all so close and they're all so different that yep. you know, like I said, 
like I said before, the king or the Mr. Olympia defines the landscape. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a streamlined physique is is in town. That's that's what is happening right now. A streamlined, yeah. a bigger man with a streamlined physique. Um, so you can see that, you know, a guy like Andrew Jack, a guy like Samson, Samson's a six footer, you know, he's a six foot, he's a six foot guy, very yeah. tall guy. Those guys, Ian is not streamlined, you know, which hurts him. Ian has everything, but it's just not put together in a way that is, you know, more of a bodybuilding, typical bodybuilding, you know, physique. So I think that's what hurts Ian. But the conditioning, I mean, not many people touch Ian when it comes to conditioning, you know, yeah. within the show. So that's six, six to eight is, is going to be a battle. It's going to be a battle. I, I can't say, I, I can't even say who's going to win <laughs> between yeah, those. Yeah. But the top three, do you really think Rami, do you really think, well, I, I'll let you put it to rest after this. Do you really think sure. Nick can beat Hottie this year? You know, it's it's tough because, and this, this is actually on, I was watching Dennis James' podcast, and Milos and him were talking about this. No matter what happens, the big guy, if they're both in condition, the big guy will always beat the little guy. And let's face it, Hottie last year, he got dinged for his shoulders. Yeah. Whether whatever it was, it was substance, whether it was something that made yeah. his, let's say, his shoulders looked off a little bit. Hopefully yeah. he can overcome that and doesn't make the same mistake. Yeah. Because when I look at track record, which is so funny, you said that they are both. So they are both conditioning wise. Nick and Hottie are, are the some of the most consistent on the Mr. Olympia stage right now. Yes. You know, um, the thing, though, between the two of them that, defer, that, that differs is. If Nick is not a hundred percent, his physique could look a little bit blocky, which would hurt him. I can see that. Yep. So, if Nick is a hundred percent, it just comes down to the muscle definition, and then you know the muscularity, how they're put together, and pretty much muscle maturity, which, which is why I think Hadi still beats Nick because Hadi is so detailed and he's. Yep. He has the must Nick is still young. Hattie has that muscle maturity that mm-hmm. you can just see it's very hard, gnarly muscle. Uh that, that's what puts him in the head. But like you said, if he comes back with those with those same Jimmy shoulders, I mean there's <laughs> they may knock him in the same way that Rami, if he doesn't come in a hundred percent, they may knock him too. So yeah, um, it's gonna be a toss up between the two of them. And then, and then last statement, I know I keep trying to end the close statement here, but with Nick, and even though it's genetic, he's got those veins in his ankles and his calves, and I know it's nothing to do about it, but I don't know if he will get dinged for that, for not looking right. Because you know how it's so political and so, yeah. you know, it depends who's judging. Yeah, it's got to be clean cut. They want like a, you know, they want someone that represents the Mr. Olympia brand in a type of way. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I mean... It's genetic. There's nothing he can really do about it. Exactly. I mean, even even Arnold made a funny comment about it during the um, the Arnold's when Nick competed during the Arnold. So you can yeah. definitely you can definitely say that whoever is judging, you know, on that panel, they definitely it's somewhere in the back of their minds. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Regardless of you know, it's a subjective sport. So regardless of if it doesn't affect things on paper at the back of their minds, it's definitely affecting some kind of, uh, some kind of placing, 
Yes. You know, so yes. so you are right. But um, you know, all, all you can do sometimes with bodybuilding is you can only just bring your best, you know. That's and it. if it's above your you know, he's, he's pushing his genetics to the limit, you know, he's bringing his conditioning, you know, he's pushing the, the conditioning to the limit. And that's why, that's why for me, I don't know if a Nick Walker can place in a top, in a top two, you know, if him versus, yeah. versus Rami, because Nick is, I feel like Nick is at that, at that level where he's pushed everything to a hundred percent. So, the improvements from here are very minimal um and he's getting a placing based on that 100 percent max so unless yeah. rami decides to call it quits then nick is compared to brandon brandon is a lot of a, is a lot smaller guy compared to rami then he has more of a foothold to say i can place in that top three or top two but because yeah. Rami's such a bigger physique um you're only judging what's placed in front of you right so if Rami is so big, everyone else looks small. So Nick's yep. size, size, which is a defining factor for him, is no longer uh, it's no longer a, a a winning trait. He's just part of the lineup, and yep. I think that's why he's not in that top three bracket because the guy in the number one is just so big. Yep, yep, I agree, I agree. So if somebody reach out, um, questioning what kind of supplements do you use? So, um, I, I use protein, you know, whey protein, okay. uh, creatine. I think creatine is probably one of the, the most underrated <laughs> supplements on the market. <laughs> yeah. Uh, creatine, I use fish oils. Um, I do take a, I, I take a health supplement too. Um, you know, just for, you know, keeping, keeping the, you know, internally, internally keeping everything in place. And then, um, sometimes I could be better. I take multivitamins and then sometimes I take uh like like a joint supplement. Yep. But uh I'll be honest, Sean. Um, you know, sometimes I, I should uh I should probably be a lot better on that, you know. <laughs> and then of course a pre-workout. I, I do pre-workouts, you know. Okay. Um, I try not to take them too much, you know, because yep. I work I work out typically later during the day and it affects my sleep sometimes. Sure. So but a pre-workout is definitely necessary in the arsenal, 100%. Do you use creatine up to the show? Or do you, I mean, do you cease it like the week or two out? Or you still could use it all the way to the day of the show? No, I, I cut it out like three weeks before, to be quite okay. honest with you. Uh, because creatine, you know, for, for people listening, uh, creatine, you know, it pushes water into, into, the, into the cells, the muscle cells too. So you could, you could be holding more water than you need to. And yep. as you're getting closer to a show, you want to be – a lot you want to be as dry as possible so anything that helps you retain water you want to cut that out so um yeah that's why so i cut it out three weeks before got it got it so you get your pro card what's the what's the short and long-term goal so if i get the pro card um i'm gonna roll straight into the 212s um i would like to you know god willing if i get a pro card this year i would like to probably do the new york pro maybe in 2024 not 23 i think okay i would like to use that year and refine refine myself bring a little bit more polish um and then go into uh the new york pro in 2024 and then if things go well i may continue i may continue a pro a pro run just you know okay. competing several times maybe maybe get to the show 
win a show, maybe like a Nordic Pro or something, you know, or even the New York Pro. Who knows? You know, you never know a year from now, yep. and uh, make it to the Olympia. That would be that would be the goal. But the ultimate goal for every bodybuilder when you compete is, you know, when you turn pro, is to make it to the Super Bowl, right? You yep. want to make it to the Mr. Olympia. You want to stand next to the champion, and you want to see how far you can take your physique. So that's the main goal. Do you want to be Mr. Olympia? Do you think you have it in the tank to be Mr. Olympia? Well, based on everything we've talked about today, I, I am the uh, self-defeating type when it comes to it comes to this stuff. I think <laughs> I think I may I wouldn't say I think if I turn pro, I would I would say I have what it takes to be Mr. Olympia. But um, I think genetically speaking, you know, just the way I'm put together. Mm -hmm. I think I have I have the tools to okay. make it to the Mr. Olympia. Now to be the Mr. Olympia, um, I have to see when I get there to that yeah, level. Yeah. But I think I have the tools to at least get to that level. Well, see if you continue the the, the string of firsts, man. You, all, <laughs> all put on the line. <laughs> I know, huh? and you know the scary thing is I don't. If I don't come first, I don't know how it's going to affect me because I've never really, you know, taken a second, you know, or a third. So it's it's going to be. Uh, I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm hoping you know nationals this year. Um, it is on a serious note. I'm 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 coming really strong and really serious. So I when I when I compete, and I'll say this, Sean, I'm not one of those people to say I come to be the best version of myself. I compete to win. Yeah, I mean, if you if you're competing, forget the best version of yourself. The guy who's standing next to you doesn't care about your best version. He wants to beat you, mm -hmm. so you compete to win. So yep. if I'm going to nationals this year, my goal is to win, win my class, and uh, and turn pro. So I'm going there for first place and and nothing less. So, you know, we're gonna keep pushing at it and then see how how far we can go. Good. Knock on wood. I have you back in December and you're holding your little, your little NPC. I should say your little hey. pro card in your hand. <laughs> hey, we'll have to celebrate. I mean, if, if it happens, I'll, I'll give you a call straight away, Sean. <laughs> you won't believe what just happened. <laughs> oh, man. Kennedy, it's been a really, really great conversation. Is there anything else that maybe you want to get off your chest? Anything that you want to talk about as we wind down? Um, I'd say, I'd say, uh, not really. I'd say like, you know, for people, for people watching, I'm sure they're, they're bodybuilders like me, you know, that are watching this or people who are just starting out and lifting. If you have a dream or you have a goal, just keep pushing at it, you know, take it one day at a time. You may feel like you are not close to the goal yet. You may feel like the goal seems so far away, but if you keep working at it one day at a time, Trust me, you're going to look back a year, two years from now, and you're going to say, wow, I've achieved a lot. And you give yourself a pat on the back. So that's my advice to you guys, you know. Awesome. Kennedy, where can people find you? Plug your social media if you have any websites, YouTube channels, anything whatsoever. So um, typically people can find me on Instagram. Um, I typically I typically run through Instagram a lot. Uh, Colossus underscore Ken. So that's a C-O-L-L. OSUS underscore Ken um, at Instagram, typically. So that's where you can find me. Feel free to shoot me a DM, um, you know, and if you ever want to talk about anything, I'm pretty much uh, I'm pretty much on there and I, I interact with people a lot and uh, just get to know people. So that's where you find me. I am working on a YouTube probably for for this year, you know, probably a prep series. So you may you may see something with YouTube. So if you're on Instagram, 
you'll definitely see the updates of what's coming down the pipeline. Is Apollo in your main gym or do you bop around to a few different gyms? No, so Apollo is the main gym right now. Um, awesome. In prep, you need a sanctuary. And, you know, I can spend another hour ranting about commercial gyms, <laughs> you know. And yeah. so when you're, you need a place where they're serious lifters, it's a serious atmosphere. And when you're in prep, you need that kind of battle state. And Apollo provides me that. It provides me that environment. So Apollo is my main gym. I'll, I'll go to a commercial gym, do my cardio there. Or, you know, if I'm yeah. doing arms, I'll go there and do that. But for everything serious, Apollo is the main place. So if you're ever in the New Jersey area, you want to see me, come to Apollo. We'll, we'll, we'll get a session in over there. <laughs> did you go in yesterday for the event or no? Did you steer clear? I was, I was there. I came, I, I went in the morning. Um, Rob was there. Caroline was there. There were, there were a lot of people. Was there? there? Yeah, there were a lot of people over there. I think even Guy Sister Nino showed up. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, at some point when I was leaving. So, uh, yeah, there were a lot of people. I was there for the event. It was it was wonderful. I mean, Rob and Caroline, they're they're, they're doing great stuff down yeah. there over at Pollen Gym. You know, um, they give to the community. And for people that don't know that are watching, you know, Rob is Ukrainian with, you know, the war that's going on between Russia and Ukraine. So it was Ukraine's Independence Day yesterday. So we went down, supported them. You know, they had a couple of shirts, bought a couple of shirts. Just support, just support the brand. You know, support yep. the brand. These guys give back to our community, so we got to give back to them too, whenever we can get a chance. Yeah, I agree. Rob, Robic's like a brother to me. So is Carolina, like a sister. I've known Robic for a while now, and he and I talk daily. We're like two peas in the pod. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. We've been, we've been. You know, I, I just started to get to know him. You know, yep. so so we started talking, you know, the, the past couple of weeks. So, you know, we're, we're getting to know each other. And, uh, you know, I like what he's about. He's a straight shooter. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. He tells you as it is. And uh, I really like that about him. You know, that's really it. Like that. And sometimes yeah. sometimes mis people misinterpret that. He knows it as just being rude and arrogant. And I'm like, no, yeah, it's 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 a New York, New Jersey thing. Just give it to me exactly. straight. Don't sugarcoat. And I respect the hell out of you for it. Exactly. Just just tell me as it is. And that way we know where we stand. You know, yes. we know what's going on. And, um, you know, like you said, it's a New Jersey, it's a New Jersey, New York thing. But also we're in an industry where people like to be um, people like a pat on the back. People like to be to have people sing praises about them, you know, even when it's not deserved. So he's not that kind of person. Um, typically, when you're a big guy or like you're you're a fit person, people around you tend to, you know, sugar you up a lot. So yep. some people can take criticism. But he's not like that, you know. He would give it a criticism where it's due, and I think there's there's a lot to be said about that. I think it's I think people when you have someone in your corner that does that, you should appreciate them because those are the people that are telling you the truth, not the people that are always like, "Oh, you look great, you look great." It's it's those people that you need in your corner that are going to tell you the truth about what's really going on. Amen, so, brother. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Well, Kennedy, again, it's truly been a pleasure, my friend. For anybody that's listening to this on any of the audio platforms, please do give us a give us a review. Helps the algorithm. And as always, you can follow me on Subtalk underscore radio. As always, thank you so much. Have a great rest of the day. Take care, guys. Step one, wake up, brother, gonna rise with the sun. Step two, get some good, some food in you. Step three, you grow high about what you want to be. Step four. Everybody just do your thing Wake up, today's gonna be a good day